6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 90 through 100. Okay, Psalm 94. And this is a call for God to intervene against the wicked, a popular theme here. From Psalm 94 to 100 is a series of psalms, seven psalms that tell a continuous story. They're kingdom songs, speaking of the sovereign reign of the Messiah. And uh, so what we really have here is a glimpse, a revelation of Christ ruling on the earth. It's it's after the great tribulation and all the trouble that comes with it. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the Lord uh, shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand ye brutish among the people. There's that term again, same term, stupid, whatever. Ye brutish among the people and ye fools, when will ye be wise? He that planteth the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall not he correct he that teacheth man knowledge, shall he not be known? Shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance." But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and the up, all the upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers, and who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, My foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of thy thoughts, in the multitude of my thoughts, within me thy comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn innocent blood. Heavy stuff. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. And he shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. You know, the... the um, Concept of retribution echoes all through the scripture. It's amazing how often the plots, the traps, the tricks of the enemy get sprung on themselves. How often we find the equivalent where Haman builds the so-called gallows for Mordecai only to be hung on it himself. And it wasn't a gallows in Esther. It was actually a crucifixion, an impaling. But that's 
translational issues. But how often, again and again and again, people are caught by their own snares. And that echoes all through the scripture. Okay, Psalm 95. Now we're from that darkness. We're going to pick up some joy and praise here. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. You notice how consistently we find the rock used uh, of, of, our, of our Redeemer. And uh, there's a principle called uh, the principle of expositional constancy. We discover that certain terms are used consistently from end to end. Even though we have 66 books, 40, over 40 different authors, over several thousand years, there are terms that are consistently used, often in advance of their real significance. But the rock, 1 Corinthians 10.4, Paul tells us that the rock that followed them throughout the wilderness wanderings was Christ. The rock at Mirror, the one that flows the, the, the water of, uh, of life and so forth. And the, 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 the stone of stumbling, the rock of offense, and so on. It's interesting to make us, at any time, pick up one of these terms of the concordance and track it through, and it's fascinating to see the consistency with which those terms are used. Make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Who is the rock of your salvation? Jesus Christ. Good. Your second and third guesses don't count. The first one can't work. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. You know, I find myself more and more in prayer, thanking God for lots of things. But the thing I, I find myself most in, intensely thanking him for is for who, who, who he is. You know, it, it sounds perhaps um, strange, but... I don't think we should take for granted that we have a loving God. He's not an experimenter. He's not one that's playing with us. He cares. He loves us. Loving kindness. He, he has characteristics that we need to be intensely grateful for. He cares. He has a purpose. He has a design. And it's for our welfare. Jeremiah 29, 11. I have a plan for you. A future and a hope. Our Lord is indeed a great God and a great king above all gods. He didn't have to go to the extremes he's gone to on our behalf. We do not pray for justice. We do not pray for justice. I don't want justice. By justice, I'm in big trouble. Pray for mercy and his grace. Grace and mercy are opposites. Did you realize that? Grace and mercy are different. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you, you don't deserve. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. I'm reminded of that little phrase about our Lord Jesus Christ. He was crucified on the cross of wood. Yet he made the hill on which it stood. Mel Gibson did a remarkable job in his movie, The Passion. It's got some Catholic overtones and some people criticize certain aspects of it. But it has two, two deficiencies. First deficiency is that it creates the impression that the crucifixion was a tragedy. No, it was an achievement. Planned before the foundation of the world. And second deficiency is that it doesn't communicate who it is that's enduring all that. 
the creator himself incarnate on our behalf. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Praise is looking up. Worship is bowing down. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. What a pleasure that is. He indeed is our good shepherd, huh? For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation or the contention. It's referring to the numbers experience. And as in the day of a temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Here's a passage as we get into it that will sound familiar to you if you know your New Testament because it's quoted extensively in the book of Hebrews. Let's go over it again. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work. He's making reference here to what's past, that experience in numbers, where again and again and again, they grumbled and complained and, and, and were faithless. God continues, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation. And said, it is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. You say, well, yeah, I can understand God's frustration of those stiff-necked people wandering in the wilderness in the book of Numbers. Let's see what the writer to the book of Hebrews has to say about this. He devotes two chapters to it. We'll just take a sampling here. Hebrews chapter 3, starting verse 7. Wherefore, parenthesis, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, said they do always err in their heart and not known my ways, and swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Close paren. That was a parenthetical excerpt quoting the psalm we were reading. Then the writer in the Hebrews continues, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. In other words, we should learn from that experience, shouldn't we? Paul says in the book of Romans, Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So we are to read Numbers, the whole book, and recognize that's us, if we're not careful. The writer continues here, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Whoops, what's that saying? If we be partakers, the term is metakoi. A positional term equivalent of that is koinonos. Well, are, how many of you are saved? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, that's uh, 90% of you. That's pretty good. Okay, don't wake the other 10. That's fine. Um, okay, you're saved. Does that mean you're a partaker? Not necessarily. Just because you have 
permission to enter my house doesn't give you permission to rearrange the furniture. If you're saved by Jesus Christ, you're saved, you enter heaven. Praise God, that's great. That doesn't necessarily mean you'll reign with him. Doesn't necessarily mean you are a metakoi. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. Did the Apostle Paul know that once saved, always saved? Sure he did. Read Romans 8. He nails it. He understood his eternal security, yet he lived his life in paranoia, fearful that he might miss the mark, fearful that he might not persevere in, that he loses salvation. No, of course not, but that he might lose his inheritance. Oh. Inheritance can be lost in the Old Testament and the New. You have an inheritance. Are you going to lose it? The prodigal son didn't lose his sonship, but he lost his inheritance, didn't he? What I said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom he was grieved 40 years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? For we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And then the writer in the Hebrews continues for another 13 verses in the next chapter on the same theme, hammering it home. I'll let you look it up at your leisure. Let's jump into Psalm 96. This psalm is found in, a, uh, in sort of another version of it in 1 Chronicles 16, by the way. The psalm in Chronicles quotes Romans, uh, 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 quotes from, excuse me, uh, uh, quotes from uh, Psalm 96, Psalm 105 a little bit, and Psalm 106. The one in Chronicles does. But anyway, let's just, this is the one here in Psalm 96 as it stands here in the book of Psalms. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. This is, we've already seen this new song. This is the song of redemption. And the, and the book of Revelation says we're going to sing it. Sing unto the Lord of the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all the people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For the, all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. See, idolatry is mentioned here because the, in the millennium there will be no idolatry. It's going to be dealt with, with a, you know, very directly. And uh, there are all kinds of people today that are trained to all kinds of religions. And uh, the day will come when atheism, deism, polytheism, and all the cults will be done away with. Over, kaput, gone. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Praise God. Okay. 
Psalm 97, and this continues, this combines uh, what the Psalm 95 began. Psalm 95 dealt with God's people. Psalm 96 really focused on the Gentile nations, the millennium. Now we're going to focus on Yodhe on high, with all things under his control. The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness are round about him, righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. Boy, his lightnings enlightened the world, the earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord and at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. This is not a national thing of Israel only. We're talking about the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. We're not talking a tribal God here. Some of these commentaries try to interpret the Old Testament or some of these passages in terms of the tribal traditions of these, this peculiar people. No, this, the scope of these things, many of them are universal, global if you will. Presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people should see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth. Thou art exalted far above all gods. God is going to rule this planet earth, and he's going to do it from Israel, from Jerusalem, from Zion. That's, a, that's not just a Jewish conceit. That is what the Word of God tells us. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Any one of these can be, I could say, none of these require any further comment, and yet every one of them can be expanded into a whole dissertation. But we'll keep moving here. Psalm 98. This is apparently the psalm that Isaac Watts, uh, that inspired Isaac Watts to compose a, what, we, what we mistakenly call a Christmas carol, Joy to the World. Joy to the World is not a Christmas carol, it's a kingdom hymn. To sing it around the first advent misses the point of it. It's actually a messianic kingdom, not a manger, that it's talking about. But uh, moving on. O oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm, hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. That does not describe past tense, does it? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with a harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. With trumpets and the sound of a cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And you look, we examine the words of that hymn, you'll realize it applies to the second advent, not the first. But we still sing around Christmas time. Praise God, just understand what you're singing. Let's go on to Psalm 99. This is another great praise of the mighty one, the Lord that we 
And uh, if you haven't formed a habit of praising God, I encourage you to do that. Um, Nan and I, almost every morning we get up, we're almost overwhelmed as we be, try to take in this God that we worship. It's, it's, uh, it's time for all of us to start taking him seriously. And uh, anyway, this is the sixth of the so-called royal psalms, which magnify the role of Yodhevave, the, the king. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubims, let the earth be moved. And if he's sitting between the cherubims, he's under the wings and feathers, by the way, of Psalm 91, but whatever. Okay. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all the people. Let him praise, let them praise thy great and terrible name, or awesome might be a better translation than terrible, awesome name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord and he answered them. Moses, Aaron, and Samuel all had occasions where they stepped in and had to intercede for the people and God heard them and responded to that. So that's why they're summarized here. They have that in common. He spake unto them in a cloudy pillar. They kept his testimonies and ordinance that he gave them. Thou answerest them, O Lord our God. Thou wast a God that forgavest them, though thou tookest vengeance of their inventions. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. That's the theme of that one. So we have actually a group here, Psalms 94 to 100. 94 said, O Lord God, whom thy vengeance belongeth. 95 said, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise and so forth. 96, so sing to the Lord a new song. These, this, these are the, the, uh, the royal uh, um, psalms, as some people call them. And Psalm 100 is, is, is sort of the grand finale. Each one is, the psalms really are connected in that sense, Okay. And the cluster started with Psalm 94, and it climaxes with the one we're about to see. And all this whole section, the whole issue here is the Lord Jesus Christ is as the uh, Yod the king. And uh, so Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that ma- hath made us. And not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And uh, if we're the sheep of his pasture, that should remind us of John 10, the great good shepherd discourse, where Jesus himself says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So that's our great shepherd. Going back to the psalm. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, bless his name. For the Lord, he is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. So that's the climactic one of the so-called royal psalms. And that ends the first half of book four. We've read in two parts. 
So the assignment for next session would be to meditate on the remainder of book four, which would be Psalms 101 through 106. So just six of them. And that while you're doing that, now a couple of these are longer than the others. Psalm 104 is a fabulous one on the creation. Psalm 105, 106 are Psalms having to do with the history of Israel. So they're a little bit longer, but it's, uh, they're not that formidable. But you might, when you study in your notes, you might want to compare Psalm 104 with the book of Genesis, one, first chapter of Genesis, as you go through with that. And with that, let's stand for a closing prayer to section, the session on, uh, the first session on uh, book four. Well, Father, we come before your throne acknowledging our sins, for they are many. We acknowledge our sins of ingratitude, for we realize we don't praise or worship you as we should. We acknowledge our sins of presumption as we set about our own plans rather than to attend to yours. We do pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit and through your word, that you would Make it ever clearer to each of us what you would have of each of us in the days that remain. For we do thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a God that is long-suffering, a God of loving kindness, a God of mercy and of grace. These attributes are precious and dear to us. And we thank you that they are your character. For that's who you are. We thank you for that, Father. And we do pray, Father, that through your spirit, through your word, that you would help each of us to continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.